0: It's trying to add intentionality to your procrastination, (laughs) but it's like, okay, we we love having intentions. That's great. (laughs) But do you not want to do this thing because one, you've realized that it's not actually important and you can put it on the back burner or are you not doing it because it's scary and it's disrupting your current state of wherever you're at. It's going to involve you to, like I said, grow, learn, or evolve to get past whatever level you're at now in order to get to the next one. And if you're afraid to do that, sometimes that's kind of how self-sabotage shows up.
1: Welcome to two Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the pop culture encyclopedia/slash fabulous human known as Nicole Tremalio. Nicole Tremalio is a branding consultant pop culture writer, and host of the Nickstalgia podcast. By leveraging TikTok and emerging social platforms, she helps brands adapt to trends and technology so they can provide an integrated customer service experience across digital and IRL channels. Nicole is known for being on the pulse of pop culture and cutting edge of digital trends. (sighs) I just took like a beautiful, like happy, joyful sigh of relief at the beginning of the episode. That's how excited I am to ask you this question, Nicole. I don't think I've ever done that before. Now I'm going to ask it. The question is, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? Yeah, this week. So at the time of us
0: recording this, we're in December. And so I have to say that there's this thing called temporal landmarks, right? Where it's like, people feel like they have to wait for January 1st or a Monday or a specific day in order to start doing something that they want to do. Or, you know what? I've been feeling really overwhelmed or I've been feeling really unorganized. Let me just figure it out on Monday. And whether any time of the year that you listen to this, just keep that in mind that you don't need a particular day of the week. It doesn't need to be the first of the month. It doesn't need to be the first of the year. Whatever you're doing, if you need to take a quick pause, take stock of what's going on and reorganize what is important versus what's urgent versus what's both versus what's neither.
1: that's really gonna end (laughs) right Annie right it's gonna benefit you I'm laughing listeners as I'm sure uh you understand because I just got that like feeling in my solar plexus of like (laughs) ouch like oh yeah oh you're talking right to me oh is it important or not I mean seriously sometimes that is so hard to gauge but i i before we go into this idea of like what's important and what's not and why it's so hard to to distinguish those two things um i love this new term temporal what landmark landmarks mm-hmm. um i love that and i am wildly guilty of that like i am so wildly guilty i love that we're having this conversation like you said point of recording in december and it'll be out early next year because actually, when I teach my holiday sales workshop every year, I teach one of those landmarks in it, which is what I call January 15th, which is resolution fuck up day. <laughs> because by then we've all got this idea of like, OK, I promised myself I would start on the first. It's been two weeks and I didn't accomplish anything so maybe i should go get some help right which for my a lot of my listeners who are coaches and healers and service providers and all of them are problem solvers in some way we're like okay well maybe i should go find somebody that can help me solve this problem but i realize the gap in that now is that even then people are going well let me punt it further out and deal with it later when it's like okay or you could just sit down and do it now and not wait for monday Yeah, definitely. I think that
0: there's this idea that actually there's this popular tweet that's been circulating recently that says, when you open an email this week, ask yourself, is this a December problem or a January problem? And it just kind of highlights that. And this is obviously much more in a corporate sense, which I'm sure that some of the listeners in your past life Mm -hmm. can relate. But the thing is like, is it something that you need to address now or is it not? And when it comes to something that's affecting your sales and your bottom line, that's going to be something that's more urgent. And if you find that that's the thing that you're procrastinating on, Mm. you have to think Mm. to yourself, why? Like, what are you afraid of? If it's something, I think that I've used a lot of techniques in the past to procrastinate, to do things that were not necessarily important or urgent. Just so I felt that I maintained a little bit of momentum However, when you prioritize that ahead of something that is ultimately putting a block up between you and your potential sales, that's when you need to be like, as an entrepreneur, as someone who calls the shots in your own business, you ha- kind of have to self parent there and be like, no, I need to get this in check. And whether I need to grow, learn, evolve, whatever I have to do to put myself in a better position for future me then that's what you got to do. And it's super easy to kind of default to a date and be like, well, I'll figure it out in Q2. And it's like, well, that's that's good if you can, but can you? Like right. you really like, are you have delaying, to establish a
1: value. Yeah. Are you delaying out of essentialist prioritization or mm-hmm. are you delaying out of what, and I love this term you used. I wrote it down because I'm like, that's just so brilliant. You said, procrastination techniques. You Mm -hmm. have these procrastination techniques. And I love that. I I just freaking adore that because (laughs) procrastination sometimes really does feel really productive because you're like, well, if I do this protocol of this and this and this, and then I also come over here and I look at these projects and I go really deep into this and this and this. Yeah. Yeah then I'm really getting stuff done. And it's like, no, sweetie, you're fancy procrastinating.
0: Yeah, it's trying to add intentionality to your procrastination. <laughs> but it's like, okay, we we love having intentions. That's great. <laughs> but do you not want to do this thing because one, you've realized that it's not actually important and you can put it on the back burner right. or are you not doing it because it's scary and it's disrupting your right. current state of wherever you're at. And it's going to evolve you. Uh, it's going to involve you to, like I said, grow, learn, or evolve to get past whatever level you're at now in order to get to the next one. And if you're afraid to do that, sometimes that's kind of how self-sabotage shows up. Be mm. like, well, I'm doing something, but it's not something that's going to contribute to the betterment of you or your business in this very moment. And the timing it does matter, just not in the way that we think that it does in assigning totally subjective value to certain days of the week.
1: Uh, especially because you brought up like corporate refugees and and my side hustlers who are still in corporate environments and building stuff on the side. Shout out to y'all. I don't know how you do it. Uh, but that idea of putting different, putting different expectations are putting different weight on different days. That completely in my life came out of my standard nine to five past. right? Like in college, mm. I never had class on Fridays. So Fridays were my Saturday. And so I had like this whole thing of like Thursday night's my Friday night, Thursday is my Friday. I don't have to do anything. It can all wait till Monday. And then I went and got a job and I was like, Friday morning is the day that my bosses expect the most from me. So Thursday night is the night that I go to sleep at 9pm. But I still I've been out of that world for so long. And yet I still have that Friday mentality of, you know, is it a December problem or a January problem for me every week? Is this a Friday problem or a Monday problem? Mm -hmm. And without fail, There are some things that get punted to Monday because they need to. There are also some things that get punted to Monday because I'm just straight up procrastinating. But I never remember really in that moment that Monday me has to freaking deal with this thing. Like Monday me is going to have my own list of Monday stuff to do. Plus everything that I decided wasn't good enough for my Friday or not essential enough for my Friday. And then, yeah, I start my week because my week starts on Monday, I start my week with last week's baggage. Yeah, I really didn't realize until I sat
0: down and thought about it that stepping into kind of like a CEO role as an entrepreneur or a yep. founder or whatever your brand new shiny job title that you made up for yourself is, stepping into that role as your own boss is hard because of past I mean, trauma, to be honest, associated with work. And the more awareness that you have about that low-grade corporate behavior that's only designed to maintain the status quo, the more you can identify those patterns, get to the root cause, address the behavior, and move on, making better choices in the present as an entrepreneur. And so many of us leave corporate because we want to work for ourselves, but then we act like, the terrible employees that we probably were. I'm speaking for myself. But you know, the ones we
1: were. So yeah, so it's like be the human you want to be. Yes. (laughs) Oh my Be the boss you want to be, be the employee you want to be. You have to be both. And I know that I have struggled to be both in turn. And it's really hard Mm -hmm. when I struggle to be both simultaneously because I'm not managing myself well or performing well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? I need HR. I need an HR and the H in this scenario is just me. Right. But, but I think we do. I love that you brought up the fact of this idea of like corporate trauma or boss trauma or management trauma, because Mm -hmm. one of the main things I talk about day in and day out is sales trauma. And a lot of sales trauma Mm -hmm. comes from that corporate environment. Our understanding of what selling requires of us, us, the understanding of what requires of us right in these situations. And most of that has been grandfathered down by other people's demands. Similarly, if you know that you have never, ever, ever responded well to having loosey goosey deadlines and you know that deadlines make your life run, then are you implementing those deadlines in your business? If you know that you require a lot of external validation Are you building that into your business? Like you said, like, why are we propagating these things that didn't work for us in a situation where we control 99.9% of everything? Exactly. I actually
0: wrote a blog post about this a few months ago, different ways that we maintain the status quo, because that was what we learned in corporate, how it affected you then, how it plays out now, the unintended consequences. Of maintaining that behavior, and then how you can move on from that by taking action. And I find the main ways that it has done this, it being like uh, corporate and how it operates to maintain the status quo, one is by invalidating people's individuality. Yeah. Um, you kind of become like the cog in the wheel. Yeah. Two is by reinforcing corporate hierarchy, always feeling like so small yeah. um, figuratively. And then also just, through bureaucracy and gatekeeping and micromanaging. And and I love that you brought up sales trauma too, because I actually have a, a background in retail sales and management. Oh, that sounds and like so, a blast. Well, I found, you know, when I I have a lot of people in my network and community who are coaches or service providers and the perspective that I hear a lot of those people who had corporate backgrounds, I worked in retail before I worked in the corporate fashion industry. So I I have experience on both sides. I see people who haven't had the sales experience before, they go, "Oh my gosh, I'm I'm so hesitant to monetize. How do I sell without sounding sleazy? How do I sell without feeling guilty? How do I charge my worth when I just want to be accepted?" Yep. Whereas I came from a completely different point of view. I was like, I mean, hustling my ass off since I was a teenager being yeah. like, you will buy this $700 handbag yes. because I need a commission
1: check. And while so you can... it, you're also going to buy the matching corresponding earrings for another $900 because you mm-hmm. can't just have one piece, right? Because you're motivated. You can't just buy one thing ever.
0: I actually, quick sidebar. One time, I um, got into a minor car accident, and I had the police officer bring me to work because my boss was going to give me a ride home. And he's like, "Oh, where do you work?" And and because he was driving me to the mall, so I'm like, "Okay, just you know, just pull around here. This is where my store is." And he's like, "Oh, I actually just um." I got my my wife a bag from there recently for her birthday. I was like, oh, my God, what one? He's describing the handbag to me. I go, I know exactly what one. And we did get the wallet back in stock in case you're wondering. He's like, (laughs) are you trying to sell to me right now?
1: Yes. Um, I'm like, um, how do you think I'm going to pay for a new car? I was going to (laughs) say, that's literally my job, bro. Like, and also, don't you think your wife would appreciate a matching wallet? Come
0: on. Come on. So, I mean, he might've actually gone back to buy it and that, that really could have been a successful sales conversion, but yeah, I come, I come from a background where it's like you have to sell or you fail or you're cast out or you're not the favorite from the corporate employees and you will do anything. So you can just belong. And that was me, you know, wearing bodycon dresses and four inch heels, selling these handbags. And, you know, that's a whole culture in and of itself. But just simply when it comes from a sales perspective, I always felt like I was too willing to monetize something. And then I really had to step back and evaluate, okay, does this bring me joy also? Because just selling things when you have absolutely no purpose or intentionality behind it is actually not fun. And, you know, my, my, my core values include enthusiasm and expression. And so if I'm just in a sales environment day to day where I don't get to express my personality, if I don't get to actually be excited about what I'm talking about, if I'm not curious to
1: learn more, if I'm not connecting with people, literally, what's the point? I think you also just gave me like the new tagline for the non-sleazy sales Academy live on an episode. So thanks so much, Nicole, but you're totally right. Not selling is not an option. Right. And I, and I love that, that we're having this discussion because you came up through retail. I had limited experience in retail, but not like heavy duty retail. Um, Mine was always in like customer service roles and whatever I had to sell in that capacity. But I was the person that you were talking about going like, I don't know how to sell. I have no idea how to sell. I have no experience selling. I've only know how I've been sold to and it sucked. And then like some of this stuff on like trinket jewelry that nobody needs. So like costume stuff that I wear and I would love. But like if people don't buy this $5 bracelet that's going to turn your wrist green, they will live, right? It wasn't like I need to find a way to get out of this toxic marriage. Like there wasn't any real weight to it. Um, but because of that, when I started having to sell things that were actually important to me and actually of me, I hit that wall you're talking about of like, "Ah!" but not selling is not an option. Not selling is not an option. And all the marketing in the world is not selling. There's a very big difference between you having a billboard with that wallet on it And you specifically telling the officer who drove you to work that that wallet is back in stock. That's a very huge difference, and he goes, "Are you trying to sell me right now?" He commented on it, but he wasn't upset about it. He wasn't <laughs> no, like he wasn't. horrified. He actually thought it. It sounded like he thought it was kind of funny. Like, yeah. But, but I think the other lesson in that is no matter what your background and no matter what your current relationship with sales. And side note, if you have a horrible relationship with something, please reach out to both of us because we can both help you with that. But. I think the other thing in that story that I love so much is the idea that opportunity really is everywhere. And we don't want to go the, no offense to those of you who are doing this, but like the standard MLM route of like, girl, I haven't talked to you since high school. Oh my God, we're still best friends. I saw that you had a baby like five years ago and I sell baby products. And you're like, I don't even remember you. Like, what is happening? Why are you acting like we're best friends? We don't want to do that. That's not what I mean by opportunity is everywhere. But when you're in a situation where someone is enthusiastically asking questions about what you provide, hey, babe, that's an opportunity. We should probably capitalize on that, right? So, Nicole, how do you how do you know when these opportunities are popping up in the wild?
0: Yeah. One thing that I always say is you are a business, not a babysitter. So when people.
1: Oh, 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 there's today's (laughs) soap bag. You are a business, not a babysitter. I got to write that down. Keep talking. Yeah,
0: It, it has a little bite to it. But it's the truth, because if you were we love volunteer work. We love work for charity. We love philanthropy. That's wonderful. We love causes that you support however when it comes to your business it's literally that a business and a business by definition is something where you sell you have to sell a product or a service that's what makes it a business instead of you being a volunteer instead of you being a babysitter you know who's who's like one of the 11-year-old babysitters who's not old enough to have a job yet um who maybe isn't isn't an adult yet and can accept the responsibility of taking care of children or whatever your job, whatever your job is. Anyway, um, the opportunities arise when you are always in a situation where there is connection. So connection is one of my core values. And you have to be around like-minded people and someone that you knew long ago. Hey girl, haven't talked to you since high school. That's not someone you know. That yeah. is not someone that you know. That's not if your someone... network.
1: That's not your ecosystem. That's not your network. But that's not your, your community. That's not anymore. Come on. No,
0: it's not. Like, if someone said to you, hey, how's so-and-so? And you were like, ah, then that's not, that's the test. <laughs> Can, if someone asked you how they were, would you be able to say? You know, I could, if someone said, oh, how's your roommate from college? oh, you know what? She's good. She still lives here. She just got married. She got a Peloton. Like, <laughs> I know what she's doing because she is still in my orbit. And that is someone that you can foster those kind of conversations with because they are in your network. If you can describe what they are doing now, you need some kind of thread of continuity yeah. connecting yeah. connecting you to In this present moment. And I found too when it comes to sales potential, I always had a problem with this in retail because there is a difference. Just like there's a difference between importance and urgency, there's also a difference between being high performing and having high potential. Mm. So I always (laughs) thought because I was the top salesperson in my store, I thought that meant that I was high performing and had high potential. However, when the time came to get a raise, get a promotion, I was notoriously underpaid my entire career to the point where I look back and it's insulting, but at the time I didn't know about advocating for my worth or why would you? you? Know, I wouldn't I didn't know we and it's like you don't teach that in school. Exactly, and it's like especially when you're a service provider setting your price and being confident in that that you are setting a price that matches your your perception of, of your value. But anyway, I was high performing. Yes. Because I was bringing in the dollars, Mm -hmm. but the company didn't consider me high potential because they would be like, Hey, can you go cover at that store? Hey, can you go do this? Hey, can you go do that? I'm like, I'm not like a warm body with a set of keys. Thank you. I'm, I'm a human being. And I, I thought that you would
1: treat me accordingly. But that's but it's because like- they didn't invest in you. Mm -hmm. they saw you as an asset they saw you as a commodity and I see people do this in our own businesses all the time I'm so glad that you brought this up in that like when we force ourselves beyond our boundaries or out of our lanes we're doing the exact same thing that that retail company did to you where they're like hey we need you to go fill in over here we need you to fill in over there they're not treating you like a prized asset they're not treating you like an asset or a person at all they're filling you like the cog we talked about before right but additionally Mm -hmm. If we say, I'm not going to take any more weekend calls from one-on-more clients, or I'm not going to take any more one-on-one clients, or I'm not going to do this product or service anymore, or I'm not going to excessively discount anymore, I'm going to limit my pro bono work. I'm going to da-da-da-da. I'm going to fire this client. I'm going to lay off this assistant. I'm going to do all of these things. And then we turn around and we don't do them. We are then showing ourselves that we also don't believe in our own potential. Right, exactly.
0: And so are you going to stand there and let the company tell you that you have low potential or are you going to recognize it within yourself, pack up your bag and leave when it comes down to it? And there were many points in my life, just about every job I ever had, I stayed for way too long because I always put the promise of success in someone, success meaning in very um, traditional, a traditional sense raises and promotions, but I would always put my potential for success in someone else's hands. And to see entrepreneurs do that is a really scary thing because we left those environments so that we could have the freedom and the autonomy to be able to lead the kind of lives And run the kind of business that we want so you have to be responsible for your own whatever and success can be literally anything that you want it to be but you have to sell when you run a business because you are the one in charge of your own success and that's intimidating and that's scary and that doesn't mean that you're never going to fail or that you're never going to face conflict it's just about how adaptable you are and how quickly and seamlessly you move through those times of like, okay, maybe I, maybe this month was a little lean or maybe I missed my projection and how can I reestablish a different course going forward? Just being able to adapt and work through those things, that's how you can maintain momentum without getting too lost in the process because it's not for the faint of heart for sure
1: no because performance is exhausting Mm -hmm. like i don't care if it's uh my husband used to work for geek squad so he's got some real fun black friday you know wake up at midnight get there at 2 a.m work 2 to 10 go home come back at 2 work 2 to 10 again he's got a lot of those like really super fun uh, stories, but, but, you know, he'll tell you about all of that exhaustion and, and the demands of that. And it's the same thing that I see that same potential for exhaustion when people are telling me that they have a 15 day launch. I'm like, Oh my God, that's so long. Aren't you tired? But that's because performance is exhausting and Mm -hmm. performing in a, in a high pressure environment when there are high stakes uh, is even more exhausting. And so I love that idea that, that discernment And that way to maintain momentum without just heaping more fuel onto an already high stakes fire. I love that.
0: Yeah. I actually think it's a good reference to Black Friday as well. Because what happens, people wake up in the middle of the night, they go to the store, they buy all this stuff. The salespeople are just going, going, going they're absolutely exhausted, they're depleted, but at the same time, they're running on the adrenaline mm-hmm. knowing that their commission checks are going to be insane. insane. But then, you know, yeah. they come down afterward and then all the people who receive their gifts come in to make returns or exchanges and they're just as depleted as they were before. And it's like Black Friday was is literally just a constructed... I can't even call it a holiday but it's just a hysteria. So I that, would call it a hysteria. Hy- hysteria so so that we could force a very high amount of sales yep. in a very short amount of time. Yes. And so I think that adopting that model probably for your own mental health as a business owner <laughs> isn't sustainable. And no. so it's like you don't want the spike because what goes up must come down and yes. it's it's much better to approach planning for your business, um, in a more, I don't even want to say steady because I, I understand that there are ebbs and flows, but just trusting yourself as a salesperson that you don't have to be expecting and anticipating this big day or this big launch
1: boom. Right. Because we're seeing that now I started getting like black Friday is now available. Uh, emails our black friday deals start now on like november 5th so like even the bigs aren't limiting it to that you know 18 hour retail window anymore plus we have small business saturday and cyber monday and blah 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 blah, blah,
0: blah.
1: but yes take the pressure off to do something so profound but going back to the very beginning of the episode maybe don't also wait till monday it's a fine Mm -hmm. line to walk
0: that's the thing all advice kind of not contradicts itself, but like, that's literally life, you know, like they're always dueling forces and it's not even about balancing them. I really don't ever say the word balance because that's another, that's another buzzword, but It's always an
1: integration
0: of two opposing forces. And that's just how you work through everything.
1: Well, and that's the thing is you've given us so many beautiful examples of those opposing forces and the reality of them. Just in this episode, we've already talked about importance versus urgency, potential versus performance, momentum versus procrastination, right? Like all of these different things. And so I see that like none of these things are in essence good or bad. They live in dichotomy with each other. We are constantly dealing with one or the other. It's really when we start to see them as so opposite and not happening simultaneously that we start to hang ourselves up. So I just brain blown yet again on my own podcast, luckiest girl in the world. And speaking of being the luckiest girl in the world, uh, I get to bring up a pop culture topic now that I'm super fangirly about. Nicole, you wonder what the heck does any of this have to do with the international sensation slash the kids are all right future, like the beacon of cherubic little angelicness that makes me feel like the world maybe isn't doomed, known as BTS. What the heck does this have to do with BTS?
0: I can find a way to make BTS related to anything, Good, first of
1: all. but it.
0: um. I mean, I've I've done a lot of research and have thought about, I've done several TikToks about this too, just about the business model of BTS and their influence. And there's really just so many different angles that you can look at this band's impact through. Even just to call them a band almost sounds so silly. Because they're not a band, is, they're a force. Right? It's a phenomenon, yes. truly. And... It's very interesting um, just being a part of the ARMY fandom and getting to meet some other fans and seeing people's dedication. And it's so interesting. And I do love looking at the franchise as a whole and the company as a whole from a business perspective and from a sales standpoint, because it's fascinating Uh, with K-pop groups, the the intention usually is to export the music and the merchandise and everything. And so these groups are usually in general, they tend to be multicultural. You'll have people from different countries um, in these bands. And so they have a broader appeal Mm -hmm. to consumers abroad and one of the immediate things that I found was so fascinating about BTS was that they, although they have diversity within where they are all from in Mm. South Korea Mm -hmm. to a, to a global audience, Mm -hmm. it looks homogenous. And so to be able to transcend a language barrier to, transcend geographic borders, Mm -hmm. different cultures. It's absolutely incredible. The legacy that even over the past eight and a half years, they have been able to build and the way that each member has such a distinct personality Mm -hmm. and the way that people can relate to them is incredible and when people believe in something that much they are willing to spend money. Mm-hmm. I did a TikTok once about um how much would you be willing to pay for concert tickets and so many people commented being like the limit does not exist. Yeah. I would I would sell the my husband for a <laughs> BTS ticket. I'm like, "Oh my god." Okay, sell, sell your husband. That's dramatic, but I mean, you do what you got to do. And just seeing the evolution now, especially in the last, hmm, I guess in 2021, when the English language singles were really taking front row center and the purchase of the company by an American company, you're almost like, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. Once the US gets involved, like we're we know ruin it. Yeah, you know, we know what the, the music industry is, or actually, I feel like most people don't. But the point is that, um, you know, the guy who owns BTS's company is the guy who Taylor Swift has been in a legal battle with over her yeah. master's for, yeah. for how many ever years ago. And Which is why
1: we're getting beautiful, beautiful thing like Red, Taylor's version. <laughs> Burn it down. To I love day.
0: it. Yeah, um, I'm a I'm a red sun, fearless moon, reputation Mm -hmm. rising. Yeah, I'm a a Swiftie over here, too.
1: I am a real hardcore, evermore folklore. Like, I mean, I've always loved everything, but but that idea of like, I'm just going to do things on my own terms. And and, you know, one of the things about BTS and I love that you brought up kind of the the fact that in South Korea, Culture, pop culture is their predominant export and and I actually oddly enough, because I'm interested in these things and I love k pop like if you look at during the colonization of South Korea by Japan the Korean language, the Korean alphabet, and all Korean culture was banned. And so when you bring up the fact that now it looks homogenous to an outside world, one of the things that's really exciting about BTS specifically is that there are people of both Japanese and natural Korean origin in the same band doing the same thing together when it really seemed like that was never going to work. And so that's the other thing about BTS is it does kind of paint this beautiful picture of what's possible. Like a band in Korea can get involved in American politics Politics because they don't like the way that things are happening. And they can do that because they have all the money and presence in the world. Right. But they're also just these really good, really talented kids who aren't ashamed or afraid to be like, hey, we have super fans. I'm going to respond to this fan directly in a TikTok and like blow their freaking mind and then turn around and go sell out a billion dollar tour. Right. Whatever it is. But they're showing up as themselves. And I think one of the other things in these big super groups that no offense, InSync and Backstreet Boys, and don't kill me, Liz Wilcox, number one in sync fan in the world, who I had the pleasure of interviewing on this show. I think what BTS and, and K and J pop groups in general do, that, that is so much better than the model that we saw in the aughts of, of boy bandness specifically, is we are a unit and individual simultaneously, because every single member of BTS has their own following. Every single member of BTS is distinct, right? Uh, similarly, like if you look at the the women of like Twice or Blackpink, you're like, oh, that's the punky one. There's Bunny Girl, right? Okay, and this one's got to be real, real sexy, like Scary Spice. But this one, you know, whatever. But it's but they have their individuality, and their individuality isn't stolen by the whole. But it also doesn't compete with the whole because at the end of the day, they're BTS and they have to do their choreography perfectly in sync or it's not going to work. So I feel like there's a lesson about, again, another dichotomy, owning your own as an individual and lending to a group simultaneously. Do you agree? Definitely. And there are two reasons mainly that I think that BTS,
0: just to use a blanket statement, does it better than no offense. Like, I'm a big BSB and NSYNC yep. head over here, too. Yep. And they were created by the same people making Ugh. the same same money. The so, same douchey people. Right. So we can't we can't even pit them against each other anymore the no. way that we did back when we were growing up because no. it's all the same, like, corrupt machine. Yep. But anyway... <laughs> That's a whole nother tangent. Really interesting story. Watch right. Lance Bass's documentary. Yay, Lance! Um, we love you, Lance. <laughs> we love we love you. If Lance is listening, love you. Okay. Um, two reasons that I think that BTS is doing it better. They're doing it better than NSYNC and Backstreet Boys because there's a community. Yep. Because members of Army meet each other, especially on the internet, and yep. they they become friends with one another. They become each other's chosen family. And It's different when you have an idol. Mm -hmm. It's what it sounds like. You're literally idolizing that person. Whereas ARMY truly also is a community where the members, of course, they love BTS. BTS is usually the topic of their conversation, but they also want to form relationships with each other and they immediately feel a kinship to someone who has an interest in this as well. I think I thought of another reason. I think BTS is doing it better than other K-pop groups because... And this might have a little bit to do with timing, I guess, because there were K-pop groups before BTS. There's Mm going to be K-pop groups after BTS. The way that they've leveraged social media is just truly, truly incredible Um, to really establish a solid brand presence. I'm just, I'm constantly in awe of that. And I would say the reason that BTS is doing it better than other American, especially, or even just Western acts Uh, in today's time is because of the parasocial relationship
1: that Mm. BTS is
0: able to foster with Mm. ARMY. So I could literally, if you ask me about any of their lives, I'll tell you as much as I possibly know, you would think that I was
1: talking about like my husband,
0: you know, like you would think I was my best friend.
1: present in your lives. They have consistent presence and authentic transparent presence in your life. And they also show up enthusiastic in your life and are grateful mm-hmm. for the presence they have in it.
0: Right. It's like they actually want you to be happy. It seems like, you know, their message mm-hmm. of know yourself, love yourself. Um, that's something that art other artists really don't ever do. They're like, um, love yourself enough to go out to the store and buy my CD. Yes. And you know, I think, again, with with taking two of those things into consideration, social media and the parasocial relationships, it's like, if you wrote a fan letter to yes. Justin Timberlake 25 years ago, he would never get it. He would never read it. If he did, he wouldn't care. Like, it, it wasn't like that back
1: then. Whereas <laughs> Y'all now, can't see the scowl that I'm making at the mention of Justin Timberlake, but that's okay.
0: Uh, he's... Yeah, he was. I mean, he was from a different era, he's you know a what I mean? Era and, it's like, and he's
1: trying, he publicly I, apologized to Britney, it was crappy. He mentioned his wife in it for no reason, but still, like, no, but it's a different animal, and it's and, a different
0: animal, yeah. Because one of my favorite things is to talk about nostalgic things through a contemporary lens, yes. And so, uh, to be able to look and see why Justin Timberlake is why his actions back then were totally accepted are considered very problematic now. Right, It's an interesting conversation because is Justin Timberlake going to completely disappear from the public eye? No, but can we learn from these things so that the way that we treat women, the way we treat Britney Spears, the way we treat um, people in the media,
1: the way we consider people's privacy, the way that that we consider a lot of things. The way that we honor artists and the way that Mm -hmm. we honor the personal lives of artists hmm. That's a totally right. and, different and animal now.
0: Exactly. And, and being able to foster those open conversations and dialogue mm-hmm. about the progression of our society as it relates to those kind of instances. Yes. I just I find that so exciting because that's how we all become more accepting and aware and ultimately why I do anything that I do is to bring people together and make them feel a part of something. And that's truly what pop culture does. And that's what BTS does. It brings people together and and you can feel so alone or you're, you're someone who is, you know, a teenager with the posters on your wall, or you're a 45 year old mom of three who loves to listen to BTS with your kids in the car. Like there's no stereotypical, um, and there's, there's many now, um, ideal client avatars for BTS fans. And I think that's wonderful because it's like the industry always discounted teenage girls until they realized that. Teenage girls spend a lot of
1: money. They
0: know everything, first of all. And they spend a lot of money. Like don't ever underestimate the enthusiasm of a teenage girl. Don't ever. Or
1: the buying power and the peer Mm -hmm. pressure ability of a teenage girl. Ever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one thing before we before we wrap all this up, I love that you said BTS fosters that idea of love yourself enough to buy my CD. And that reminds me so much beautifully, gorgeously of what you said at the beginning of like when we're selling from a place of personal pride, why couldn't it be the same way? Why couldn't it be love yourself enough to buy my program, love yourself enough to buy my session. Love yourself enough to buy my support, my product, my service, a massage for me, a haircut, whatever it may be. Why not? Why don't we all try that? Love yourself enough to X angle. Freaking. Love That's that. a
0: great point because I think a lot of traditional sales tactics, the ones that set the precedent to bring up this fear in people nowadays who are hesitant to sell, I think it's because they think that they associate selling with that shallow sentiment with yeah. manipulation, yeah. with coercion and shallow, the thing is, shallow, that word
1: shallow. Right. Is just, ooh, so good.
0: Absolutely. But if you are truly being yourself and you believe in your product or your service, I, to be honest, when someone asks me what selling is or what selling means to me, to me personally, it's about telling people about what you love. That is it. It's, it has nothing to do with numbers or facts or figures. To me, selling is such an emotional thing. It's such a visceral thing because I feel it in my body. I have to have conviction about what I'm talking about. Otherwise, I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to bother. But if we all had that true belief in ourselves, the value that we provide our customers, you know what? You do love yourself and that's why you're going to work with me. And I truly believe that. And I'm going to tell you why. And so that's a great point that you bring up because I still don't think that's the norm now, Mm -hmm. but it absolutely can be where we realize that what we bring to the world, it is ultimately making it a better place. I think we think that idea in our head when we started as entrepreneurs, but then we don't know how to articulate that to actually put it in practice and spread that message. And to connect it again, back to BTS is, them being able to spread and amplify their message yes. through that community, through having those parasocial relationships and through just from a business perspective, being a
1: very well oiled machine, they're able to do it. Let's just put this out there just because, you know, you never know who's going to hear these things other than Lance. We love you, Lance. Uh <laughs> You, me, Seth Godin, BTS, talking about tribes because I think they're nailing it. One of my very favorite books, and I think Army is the perfect example of that, is there has to be top-down communication, bottom-up communication, and member-to-member communication. And they do all three of those things so freaking gorgeously. All right. I got two more questions for you before I just talk your ear off about BTS for the rest of my life, which I would so (laughs) gladly do. You brought up the American singles before. One of my favorite things about the American singles is they have this naming convention of one-word titles, right? We got Dynamite. We got Butter. So, mm-hmm. Nicole, you are putting out a single for your business, and it is an absolute dance bop, but you have to follow the convention of a one word, one noun title for this single. What is your BTS inspired single called? I'm going to call it Glitter. Yeah. <laughs> also, shout I out to glitter. our girl Mariah Carey. Also, who had a one word, something called glitter. I have a feeling, though. No offense, Mariah, that your glitter oh, will be shoot. much better than hers. She'll
0: come after me.
1: Okay, no, she I won't. Might have to pick a no, different she one. Won't. Oh, okay. No, she, she won't. As
0: long as Mariah Carey doesn't sue me, then it can Mariah be Mariah Carey's glitter. not going
1: to sue you for glitter because glitter wasn't good. Aw, I feel bad. No, you don't glitter. need to. You don't need to feel bad for Glitter Mariah's doing. <laughs> just fine, especially during the holiday season because we all know that All I Want for Christmas is You is still the number one played song in America during this time. So, no, I think you take Glitter. You take it okay. and you own it. <laughs> My other question for you is if people need some of your brilliant, magnificent sparkle glitter, if they want to get that BTS dance around in your underpants feeling in their business, clearly, Nicole, they need you. How do they find you? How do they start a conversation with you?
0: Absolutely. So you can come hang out with me on TikTok or Instagram. It's at Nicole Tremaglio. So I'll spell it for you really quick. N-I-C-O-L-E-T-R-E-M-A-G-L-I-O. And that's also just NicoleTramaleo.com is my website. I love hanging out in like every corner of the internet. So I love you got that Italian G
1: in there. Tremalio.
0: I literally just started pronouncing it with a little bit more of an Italian slant. It's not like full-blown 100%, but I sat down and had a family meeting and said, we've been saying it too Americanized for too long. We need to start making the
1: transition. So, And then there's also, you know, Passanisi to Tramaglio. There's also like the midwestern italian american pronunciation of things which would be like ah oh, my girl in the culture like that's oh how we would god. say it and i and i'm like sorry we
0: can't we can't do my girl, the anymore. Yeah.
1: like oh uh-huh. god i, I
0: literally just retired it and um i'm starting a podcast in a few months actually so in the beginning of february and so i'm like yep this is the new clean
1: cut in it totally in it that is another thing that we can do. We can pronounce our own names correctly.
0: Mm-hmm. And everybody
1: else's too. Nicole Trimalio, it has been such a delight sitting down with you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to gush about the cherubs of BTS. Thanks for having me. Everybody else, I will be back in just a second with my final thoughts and your homework for the week. Well, hey there, listeners. It's been a few months since I recorded this episode with Nicole. Since then, 2022 rolled in, Brittany freed herself, it snowed a lot here, yada, yada, yada. But I am still thinking about that very first nugget Nicole dropped, the idea of these landmarks. I consider myself a recovering, award-winning procrastinator. If I tallied up all the hours I spent spinning my wheels in the name of strategy Or let's face it, watching more reruns when I should be doing anything remotely productive. It would be a hill so high and a tally so great, I would surely want to crawl back into bed and stay there. But somewhere along the way, I realized that the main reason I would procrastinate wasn't laziness, it was fear. I would kick my own butt thinking I was the laziest person alive, making myself feel so much worse and even less prepared than before, all in the name of trying to psych myself up into doing the thing that I was putting off. This only compounded the fear. But... Slowly but surely, I came to notice every time I postponed decision-making, both big leaps and little experiments, I was hanging on to the concept of being ready. Why isn't that sales page live? Well, the copy isn't quite ready. Why hasn't my podcast launched? Well, I'm not quite ready for that kind of visibility yet. Friends, ready is a massive freaking lie. The Winter Olympics just started this week, and those judges don't care at all about ready. Think about poor Tanya Harding back in the day crying to the judges about her laces being incorrectly tied. Sorry, Tanya, not their problem. They expect you to be ready. Imagine waiting to start a speed skating sprint until every Olympic athlete felt fully emotionally and physically prepared. We'd all fall asleep before a medal could be earned. Records might get broken in dashing style, but our attention and enthusiasm would have waned long before. Your homework this week is to take a bold, inspired action towards something you've been procrastinating. Screw feeling ready. I want you feeling legit. So how can you declare your intentions to your network and in doing so, give yourself a bit of public accountability? Or how can you rip the bandaid off a painful project so you can get it out of your headspace once and for all? You do not have to run the entire marathon this week, but you do have to cross the starting line. Ready, set, go. Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it, unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who helped make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hyperbull Impact. My composer, Riley Herbastio, And my show artist, Francois Vigno. They're all fabulous and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best. And remember, you're too legitimate to quit.